Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. What normally happens when we meet someone for the first time? We tend to decide things about them. We make snap decisions. We make assumptions. What they are like. Whether we will like them or not. And here's the, question, here's the thing we normally say. We start to weigh them up. And we say, well, yeah, they're, they're okay. I quite like them. Yeah, they seem okay, don't they? But there's something I just can't put my finger on. How many times have we said that? when we first meet somebody. What causes us to be prejudiced? What causes us to judge people? Maybe it's a fear of differences. Just because somebody's different, we're afraid of that. We fear that. We're uncomfortable with that. Maybe it's just surprise because they are different. Maybe it's even pride. People don't meet our own particular standards. People don't think as we think. People don't do things like we do them. Or they don't do things as we expect them to be done. John 13 verse 35 says, All people will know that you are my followers. People will know that we are his followers. I wonder if they do all of the time. He didn't add, people will know that you are my followers as long as you're not poor. People will know that you are my followers as long as you're not ugly. People will know that you are my followers as long as you are not mentally challenged or racially different. Just said, people will know that you are my followers because you love each other. The primary way that the church is to be distinctive is not so much by what we believe, but by how we behave towards others. I'll say that again. The primary way that a church is to be distinctive is not so much by what we believe, but by how we behave towards others, especially those in society who are rejected. Being free from favoritism demonstrates to society and to the world that God and religion really work. James is getting at treating people differently according to their outward appearance. Now apparently the word favoritism is made up from two Greek words which means to receive by face. So that means we, will, we would judge somebody on externals. And that's not right. It's not right to accept or reject somebody simply on face value alone. And also in the Bible reading it talks about two particular people who came to church and they came into church a rich man came into church and they sat him in the best seats a poor man came into the church and they ushered him out the way probably even said stand at the back and in those days there were special seats 
there were chief seats within the synagogue for special people. And sadly, a lot of the church leaders of that time used to love sitting in those seats. And that's a challenge to us today, that we don't create a church, a fellowship like that. Now, I'm not saying let's not be respectful to leaders. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is let's not create that kind of environment. But let's create a church of equality and a church where all people are equal. Favoritism is inconsistent with God's method of loving. By grace you are saved, he tells us. By grace you are saved. Proverbs 22 Verse 2, rich and poor have this one thing in common. They were both made by God. Acts 10 verse 34 tells us God does not show favoritism. And Romans 2 verse 11 tells us God treats everyone exactly the same. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't show favoritism. His friends were from all walks of life. They had all different status. And favoritism, whether we like it or not, is contrary to the royal law that we read about in James chapter 2 and verse 8. Called the royal law because it's so important. And it's been described as the royal law of love. Again, we're reminded in Galatians 5 and verse 14. Love others as you love yourself. All our relationships, every single relationship we have, should be guided by this royal law of love. But sadly, each and every one of us have our own individual built-in prejudices. But what we tend to do is we try and create our own royal law. And that basically states, well, okay, then I love you. As long as you do this, or as long as you do that, and as long as you kind of fit in. A bit later on in James, it says, whoever breaks one commandment is guilty of breaking them all. James 13, look, if you want God to be merciful in overlooking faults and even differences of others, then we need to show mercy to others and have no favorites. And then God is Pleased. A little story. In 1952, there was a probation officer and he tried to get a mixed up, disturbed lad of 12 years old adopted. But no one would take him due to his religious background. They tried for over a year, but no one seemed to want him. They wouldn't recognize the denomination that he came from. The probation officer could do nothing constructive for him. And yet if the principles of mercy had been shown in the Bronx back in 1952, perhaps a good home could have been found for this 12-year-old boy. Perhaps it would have given him a chance of making something of his life. And who knows, even history itself might well have been changed. The name of that young man who nobody wanted to show mercy to was Lee Harvey Oswald. But at 12 years old, there was a chance. 
But people, society, if you like, you and I, were not willing to give him a chance. Not willing to show him mercy. Be free of favoritism because it's inconsistent with God's method of loving. God's royal law is what we require and what we need. And in the church, there is no distinction between race or color. It's just people bound together by this fact. Every single one of us are sinners. And every single one of us needs the love of God. In church as well, there's no distinction between class. That should be wiped out. One of the biggest killers in church is this. When people major in minors and minor in majors. I'll say that again so it sinks in. One of the biggest killers in church is when people major in minors and minor in majors. There's a great danger, certainly, of becoming a class church. And when I say a class church, I don't mean it we're a class church, because we're good. But there is a massive danger. We are a class church, but there is a danger that we can become a class church. We let material possessions determine our response, our attitudes, and we find ourselves sometimes, and we're all guilty of it, we find ourselves sucking up to gifted people or people with money or people with titles or people with position or people with power or people who've got prestige. They have such weight with us, degrees, qualifications. If you like, it's like the big fight, external v. internal. Luther once stated that the the epistle of James was a, a bit like the epistle of straw because his theory was that even great men can get it wrong sometimes. Even great men can get it wrong. But all that James is, it's a gospel of practicality. It gives us advice, practical advice. The gospel, it states to us, must be seen. The gospel, it states, must be walked. The gospel, it states, must be taught. It's so easy to be hearers, each and every one of us. We're all words, we're all mouth, but we must be doers. The gospel must show. The gospel must be demonstrated. It must be demonstrated in our actions when everything's going fine and everything's going well. It must be demonstrated in our reactions when everything's not going fine, everything's not going well, and we get into situations where sometimes we overreact. People probably watch our reactions more than they do our actions. So James equals faith, and it's faith that must be visible. It must produce verbal faith on its own is not enough. Mental faith on its own is not enough. Faith must inspire action, and it must give birth to works, and it must give birth to fruits. It produces doers, it obeys the word of God. Favoritism cannot coexist. Faith and favoritism, sorry, cannot coexist. And so James gives us chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, and he gives us sound, practical advice. If there is any one place there should not be prejudice, it's in the church of God. 
We've already mentioned, we're not saved by works, but faith, which produces fruit, which produces works. And there is a harvest to be seen. There's a harvest to be had. We tend to judge and assess by achievements. We judge by appearance. We judge by beauty, fashion, ability. And what we do when we're doing all those things is we at times overlook God's will. We at times overlook God's purpose. God chose David. Samuel 2, 16, verse 7. Because he looked at the heart. He looked, God looks beyond the rags. God looks beyond the riches. God looks beneath the tattoos. God looks beneath the body piercings. God looks beneath the baggage. And God looks beneath every single one of our biographical CVs. We've all got one. Every single one of us. And he looks beneath. He's not interested in what he sees. He looks beneath. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's not how nice we are. It's not how attractive we are. It's not if you know, we're acceptable to our way of living, if somebody fits in or does things as we would like to do them. It's so easy to be like the Pharisee. And let's be honest, how many of us at some point have been like the Pharisee? Luke chapter 18, this is what it says. The Pharisee stood up and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. We should guard, especially, no favoritism in our congregation. Of course, we're attracted to different people. We make friends. It's perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with that. But never clicks. Never ignore others in the fellowship because they are beneath our supposed social standing or because they're different. Favoritism creates divisions and prevents the best in the lives of individual believers and not just that it prevents the best in the life of the church how we model christianity is important and it's important because we you know we don't want to send out the wrong message and sadly from talking to people who don't go to church i think the sad fact is sometimes we do send out the wrong message and we don't want to be doing that. We want to send out the right message. There is nothing more ugly than a snobby church. There is nothing more sad than a snobby church. The church is the one place where all distinctions are wiped out. When we meet in the presence of God, there can be no distinctions, no merit, no worth. We are in the presence of God. We are men, women, and children. We are all one. We are all equal. Good Samaritan, we know the story, showed mercy. Prodigal son. The father, when he was a long way off, ran to greet him. He didn't wait till he got to him and said, Phew, you stink, go and have a bath, then I'll give you a hug. He flung his arms around him. That's the kind of love that we need. 
We need the love of the Father God. We need to show mercy. Somebody once said this. Sometimes the nicest people you meet are covered in tattoos. Sometimes the most judgmental people you meet go to church on Sundays. James 2.13 It's not about rules. It's not about being governed. It's not about rules, sorry. It's about being governed by our inner compulsion of love. It's about being governed by our inner compulsion to love as well. Okay? That's the two things. The inner compulsion of love and the inner compulsion to love. Favoritism and prejudice have no place in our fellowship. We ought to be Christ-like. And we think about Jesus, the people he interacted with. Tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, fishermen, centurions, religious leaders, rich people, poor people, the lowest of the low. Now, think about people in your life. I'll think about people in my life who were often passed over, who were often forgotten and left. Maybe we need to take time to get to know them. Maybe we need to do something special for them. Do like Jesus would have done. We need to reach out as individuals and as a church. We need to reach out to differences rather than push them away. That's the easy thing to do, push them away. We need to reach out to them. In summary, James 2 verse 1 to 13 speaks of, speaks of these things. Speaks of courtesy to all. It speaks of compassion to all. It speaks of consistency to all. It speaks of consideration to all. There's an old Salvation Army story. <clears throat> One of the first Salvation Army corps to be opened was in Folkestone in Kent. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know Salvation Army, at the front of each Salvation Army is a mercy seat. And it's basically just a, a wooden form or rostrum where people can come and kneel. They can either come and seek Jesus for the first time. They can come and confess anything that you know, they need to talk about. They can just come for prayer. <clears throat> and this Folkestone Corps was one of the first Salvation Army Corps that opened. And there was a guy in Folkestone called Fish Bob. And there's a bit of a clue in the name, Fish Bob. He stank. He was scruffy. He wore rags. And he was kneeling at the mercy seat in the early days of the Salvation Army. And he wasn't smelling that good. And in that same service... And this is a true story. In that same service was Lady Beatrice. And Lady Beatrice got up from her seat and she came to the mercy seat and she knelt to give her heart to the Lord. And she knelt right beside Fish Bob, dressed in all her finery and fashion. And the captain, who was in effect was the pastor of that particular corps, motioned to somebody to move Lady Beatrice away from Fish Bob to a, a less, you know, 
smelly place. But she objected. And this is what she said. She said, we are all seeking the same saviour. And out of that came a Salvation Army chorus. They're always good at bringing choruses, the Salvation Army. And this is what it said. It was wrote by the late uh, John Gowans. It says, we're all seeking the same saviour. We're all seeking the self-same Lord. We're all claiming the same cleansing. We're all finding our peace restored. The fact of the matter is, we all come to Christ in exactly the same way. Status counts for nothing. The Christian church, therefore, should be the true, classless society of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 22, verse 27. I am among you as he that serves. And John 13, verse 3, a little bit paraphrased. So he washed their sweaty, stinky, smelly, disgusting feet. Friends, the ground is always level when we come to the foot of the cross. The ground is always level when we come to the foot of the cross. And after studying this, this is the challenge I set myself, and this is the challenge that we set together as a corporate body. What will I do? What will you do? How will I react? How will you react? What do I need to change? What do you need to change? Because we're all seeking the same Savior. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.